Throughout these years, and uh, I was a pastor's kid, so I was exposed to a lot of stuff in church. Uh, I felt called to ministry, went prepared for ministry, and pastored for many, many years. And I say, throughout all of that experience, I, I still don't fully understand the mystery how, of how God's sovereignty fits together with the free will of people. That's a, that's a mystery. And I'm not sure that I'll ever have that completely figured out in this life. But here's what I do know for certain. God is sovereign over all things. He's working his plan. I'm good with that. I love knowing that God is in charge of the world that he's, he made. But I also know that God asks us to do some stuff. He invites me into this process of what he's doing in his big story in the move that he's doing in the world, and in my life. I get to be part of the process of what he's up to, and that's exciting. So he's the one who's committed to conforming me into the image of Christ. And he's committed, absolutely, irrevocably committed to that in my life. I'm not always that committed to that on a day-to-day basis. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I am, yes, I really want to be like Christ, and then there's some days, ah, Not quite as much today. But he never has one of those off days where he's like, I'm not really committed to you today. He's committed to you every single day with that fullness for you and committed to to bringing you into the image of Christ and making you like Jesus. And, And so in that commitment, he's fully committed to using everything in our life for good according to his purpose. And in that process, nothing can shake him up. Nothing uh, makes him say, oh, no, what am I going to do now? He's fully committed to it, and he uses everything in that process. Nothing can thwart his plan for my life. Isn't that cool? Nothing, Nothing can just derail that. He's absolutely on track with that. So God is working. God has a plan. But the same sovereign God who has a plan uh, also wants me to wake up every day and, and just to say, uh, Lord, I'm available to you for what you want to do because he's saying to me, I want you to do these things. I want you to walk this way. I want you to make these choices. I want you to think this way. I want you to make these choices. And so you respond this way. You participate in the work of God and the plan that he has for you in your life. And, and we can be, have these questions like, well, is it my participation that makes it happen or is it God's sovereignty that makes it happen? And I mean, you're God, you're going to do whatever you, that you want to do anyway, so what difference does it make what I do? And that's where this mystery kind of arises for us. And I don't know the answer to it. I'm not even sure that it's even an important question for us. The important thing, the imperative thing, is that we trust in the sovereign purpose of God and that we respond to His purpose with a huge yes in our life. And that just needs to be our posture. They're just like, yes. What you are doing in me, Lord, continue to do. I say yes to that. And I want to cooperate. I want to participate with what you are, are up to. And so that's the, kind of the backdrop for this whole thing. With that in mind, this takes us to this passage of Scripture I want to look at with you this morning. This is Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So there it is. There's our part in this whole thing. 
We're going to offer ourselves to Him as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to Him, and that's our spiritual act of worship. Now, you can see some of the tension between the sovereignty of God and the choices that we make if you look at some of the verses that actually precede the beginning of this chapter. Because once again, this is one of those chapters that kicks off with the therefore, and whenever you get that therefore, you go, what do you mean? That means something that went before that has set up for this thought. So this thought is, I want you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices but that's a therefore. So what did he say right before that? And let's just move back into that 11th chapter for just a little bit. Uh, you know, Paul, as, as he writes this, he's been writing this wonderful book of Romans packed with incredible insights, deep truth in here. And at the end of chapter 11, he launches into this, um, it's like he just busts out into this phenomenal doxology of praise. He's just so excited. And I want to look at this with you just a little bit. This is verse 33 of the previous chapter, chapter 11. He writes this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's sovereignty right there, by the way, that God has this depth of riches and wisdom and knowledge. And so he's blown away by that. He goes on, How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. And that's sovereignty. Because no one has figured out exactly everything that God is up to and what he's doing and how he's doing it. I mean, we, we have some ideas, we see things, but we don't have the whole picture of everything that God is up to. He goes on, who has known the mind of the Lord? And by the way, just some of you are like, should I raise my hand? I'm not sure. The answer is no one. <laughs> Okay, no one has known the mind of the Lord. It's a rhetorical question. You don't need to feel any pressure to know the answer to that. Um, and it goes on, who's been his counselor? So who's known his mind? No one. Who's been his counselor? Nobody. It's not like he ever gets stumped. He doesn't need a hotline or a lifeline, someone to kind of help him out. He's never laid on a couch asking for advice. It's like, man, I'm, I'm distressed. I need some help here. I'm, I know I'm God, but I'm, I'm really struggling, uh, figuring all this. Th He's never had to do that. Isn't that awesome? He's never sat down for a cup of coffee with someone and, and asked, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about creating a world. I'm not exactly sure how to do it. And you've gone through that before, and maybe you can kind of help me out a little bit and, and, you know, help me with the whole speed of light and galaxies and all that kind of stuff. He's never had to do that kind of thing. You know, he doesn't say, I've got some ideas, but I'm kind of stumped on some of this and how it all works. Can you help me? No. It goes on. It says, who's ever given to God that God should repay him? In other words, who's ever bailed God out of a jam? Nobody. He's never been in a jam, and no one's ever bailed him out. Who's ever cracked open their wallets and said, God, I'll, I'll float you 200 bucks until next Friday, you know? I know things are kind of tough for you right now. Some of you think, well, I think I did that actually once. I gave $200 in the offering, and well, good for you. That's really nice. But, you know, guess what? That's, where'd you get that money? Well, it was mine. Well, God gave that to you, okay? And so none of us can ever say, uh, well, I saved your neck, God, and you owe me one. And because uh, that, that's not the way it happens. It's kind of, you know, we're funny. We, we kind of, we get so possessive of things. And, and uh, young people, I love them. In fact, we got a big group uh, at winter camp this, this weekend right now. But, you know, teenagers sometimes, they're like, it's mine. Everything's mine. And you go, it's my room, and it's my stuff, and you know, all of my clothes, and this is my, 
this is my phone, you know, and, and it's like, what do you mean that's yours? It's just mine. Well, where'd you get it? Well, at the mall. Well, where'd you get, you know, where'd you get your money? Well, you gave it to me, but it's mine now. And so it was like, okay. <laughs> um, and, and that's how we can get sometimes with like, I gave God money. It was mine, and I worked hard, and I, I went to school, and I learned stuff, and I used my brain, and, and I overcame obstacles, and I, you know, I got some promotions, and, and I did this, and I did that, and I got all this stuff, and then I gave him some of what I had, some of my stuff, okay? It was mine, and I gave it to him, and that, that's all fantastic, but where did where'd you get your mind to be able to, to do those things? Well, now that I think about it, I think that... God gave that to me. Where'd you get those hands that you work with? Yeah, I guess that was, that was God that gave that to me. See, everything has come from him, so no one can ever say, you owe me, God, I helped you out, and, and now you know, you're in my debt. Everything is trickling down from God, and no one can ever come back to God and say, remember that time, God, that I bailed your fat out of the fire? No, we'd ever do that, okay? No one's ever going to do that to God. We go on in Romans 11 here. Who's ever given to God that God should repay him? The answer is nobody. And then we get this grand finale here. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And, of course, who else possibly could have any glory coming to them if everything is from him and everything is through him and everything is going to him? Uh, then he holds it all together he made it all. It's all functioning for him. He brings it to his conclusion. Who else is going to get the glory? So that's just so obvious. That's Romans 11. And then he jumps into 12 and he says, therefore. That's where that comes. Therefore, on the heels of all that, this wonderful passage of praise, who's known the mind of the Lord, who's given to the Lord, his ways are unsearchable, his mind is, un we can't understand it. He's an amazing God. On the heels of that, here we go, verse 1, chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And he's been writing in Romans about God's big picture purpose and about the fact that God is with us and he's for us and he loves us and he forgave us and he justifies us, he intercedes for us, he's committed to us, and he has a future glory in store for us. In view of all that, therefore, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is the way we participate. This is our spiritual act of worship. Everything is from him and through him and to him, but am I supposed to do something? Yes. I'm invited into this process. He starts it, he sustains it, he ends it. And inside all of that is this invitation to you and to me to be a participant with what he's doing in our life by giving ourselves fully to him. It's the sovereignty of God and the responsiveness of people mixed in together. And uh, it, just, it just makes the whole package run smoothly. And Paul expands on this in the second verse. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So the world has a pattern, but don't, don't be conformed to that any longer. But be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. So this is a whole new thing. The renewing of your mind is going to take place. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this morning, I want to suggest two practical responses that we can just kind of come up with on our part. I, I think we could come up with a bunch more, but just for time's sake, we'll just kind of center in on, on two practical responses that we can make today. Um, and I think they'll be pretty life-changing just in and of themselves if you'll do both of these as a response to what God has done for you, okay? So here's the first one of these. Think who you want to be. Think who you want to be. I know you can do a lot with that statement. You can run off with a, a thousand different directions. Uh, I'm not going off on a Dale Carnegie thing or anything, and nothing wrong with Dale Carnegie, but that's not where I'm headed today. I just, I just want to focus on a spiritual, as we move into 2018, a spiritual thought to think about who you want to be as a follower of Jesus. And most of us, we're just too busy to ever think. Have you noticed that? It's like, who has time to think? I got stuff to do. We need some time to think a little bit about who we really want to be. And uh, thinking is something that people used to do before they had cell phones, by the way. Uh, and so that people used to do that. We don't do much of it anymore. And, and in days gone by, th things would happen and people would take some time to reflect on it and then make a response. And, and uh, I know I'm dating myself a little bit, but it used to be, you know, you didn't carry around a phone all the time. So if you heard something and somebody said something to you or whatever, you had some time to process it a little bit before you actually responded to that. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll call them when I get into the office or, or whatever. So I've got 20 minutes to kind of think about this a little. Everything is instant today. Have you noticed that? It's like, like we just read stuff and it's like the information and it's like somebody tweeted this and then it was like just retweet and retweet and re retweet and it's on and on it goes and it's like I don't even think about it. It's like Poop. just there it is. It's just out there. I'm reposting, retweeting, all that kind of stuff on and on and on and we just don't have time and we don't take the time to think about what should I do and what should I say and how should I actually respond and, and all those kinds of things. So it, it really changes, but God wants us to do some thinking, some thinking about who we want to be spiritually. And this is a great time of year to start, like, what do I really want my life to be like for 2018 in my walk with Christ? I want to grow in Him. I want to know him in a deeper way than I've ever known before. I want to make myself available to him and participate with the things that he's doing in, in my life. God is always thinking about you. He never has, you know, I'm just too busy to think about you. He never has those times. Remember the passage we looked at last week, Psalm 139? It just talked about how God was thinking about you continually over and over. You can't even count how much he thinks about you. And so we want to spend some time thinking about him and who we can be in him and, and how we're going to participate in his process in our life. One of the Proverbs says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, or so is he. And so we're shaped by our thoughts. Somebody said this, thinking is believing, believing is doing, doing ultimately defines us. So what's going on up here? trickles down into the things that I do, which really affects the way that I am and who I am and whom I'm becoming. So think of who you want to be. And by the way, thinking does not have to be random because a lot of us like, oh, when I start thinking, 
I get the craziest thoughts. They go off in a million different directions. Um, we can take authority over the way that we think. This is going to like revolutionize some of you today. It's like, I never knew that. We can. We can take authority over the way that we think. This scripture is so good. And, and Shane did this, um, Pastor Shane did this uh, little thing on Facebook. It was right out of this passage this week, a little midweek thought. So good this week, and you should check that out. But uh, chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, 2 Corinthians. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take... In this, Grab hold of this thought, because this is good. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we are not mindless robots who can't help what we think. We're able to take authority over the things that we think. Uh, we're spiritual beings. We're not being just dragged along by our bodies. Okay? Sometimes our thoughts are going to, they're going to be like contrary let me give you an example. Last week, and this is just an illustration because you can kind of take this across the board, but last week we were talking about how awesome God's love is for us and how his love is invincible and unshakable and unstoppable and it's just amazing and, and nothing can separate you from his love. Well, there's some people that might be thinking, you know what, I know God says that and I, I know that's in the Bible, but I had a hard time growing up, and I was rejected, and so I struggle with believing that God could really love me. Well, that starts impacting quite a few things in your Christian life, right? Because if you're not really convinced of that, then you're not, it's pretty hard to trust Him, and, and on and on and on it goes. So we're, we are letting our own thoughts steal from us God's truth, which is that He loves us, we're secure in Him, and and he's committed to us. So what we have to do is we have to take authority over our thoughts and take them captive in Christ. And we say, you know, the things that I'm thinking about, maybe God doesn't really love me. Maybe he hasn't really forgiven me. Maybe I'm not really not under condemnation because that's just the way that I'm thinking because of my experiences. We have to say, wait a minute, that is contrary to what God has spoken. So if this is what he has said, but this is what I am thinking, then I'm going to have to take authority over those thoughts and say, you know what, those thoughts, that's not truth. That may be experience, but it's not truth. And so God's word is truth. What he says is truth. What he says about me is true. And so I'm going to take authority over those thoughts and say, those are lies, and I'm going to bring them under the authority of Christ and they're being taken captive. Instead of those thoughts dragging me away from Christ, I'm going to take authority over those things. And you can just kind of move that through in many, multiple areas in your, in your Christian walk and, and just things that you might struggle with. Take authority over your thoughts and, and uh, don't let them drag you. You bring them under the authority of Christ, and that's very, very important. Now, who we're going to be this year is going to be determined by our decision to think who we want to be. And we're either becoming captive to lies or we're taking authority over them. Really, it's our choice how we're going to respond. 
So we want to think who God wants us to be. And we've been, by the way, we've been given a filter to help us in our thought processes, which is pretty exciting. God's given us a filter. And uh, we're going to look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 here, and it's a great verse. It just talks about uh, a filter. Filters are, are really cool. And uh, in fact, I brought one today. Um, you all know what this is? You probably know what this is. If you live in a teepee, you really don't need to know what this is. If you live in a house, this is important to know what this is. Um, we lived in a house for a few years, uh, it was a long, long time ago, and, and uh, we were having some tr trouble with our water. And somebody asked me, have you ever changed your whole house water filter? And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I have a whole house water filter? So uh, that made it a huge, huge difference. Well, you have one of these in, in your house if you have air conditioning or a furnace or anything. It's, it's, a, it's a filter, and you need to change them, right? Like every three months. And, and so you know, the system works. It pumps out this air into the room and heats the room or cools the room, and then it has to go back through the system. So when it goes back into the air intake, it's picked up whatever's in that room. Uh, dander and pollen and, uh, you know, just pollutants of all kinds and, and whatever. So that's going all the way back through the system. It's going to pump that and blow it right out again, except there's a filter right there. And so that filter sits in there. I just bought this one this morning from Walmart. So it's nice and clean. But after they've been in your system for a little while and you, you take one out, and you go, whoa, yeah, good to change that because it's trapping all those pollutants and if it didn't do that, boom, all that stuff's coming right back into your house and everywhere. So they're very, very important. We have filters everywhere. We have them, you know, in our cars, cabin filters. You know, you have those and air filters and fuel filters and all those kind of things. They're important to, to screen those things out. Well, God wants us to have a filter for our mind. So Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says this, Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's the filters. Because if you're not, you're going to think about whatever pops into your mind, then you're going to have all kinds of polluted thoughts that are going on. So how about in 2018 we start using Philippians 4, 8, and 9 as a filter for us and we start taking an active role in filtering what goes into our minds. So, if you're taking notes this morning, is it true, first of all? Before I let stuff into my mind and, and start, you know, letting it be a part of my life, is that true? Is it noble or honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? In other words, does it have a good report to it? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Those are the filters. And as we kind of run those through, and it's like, are these the things that God wants me to be thinking about? Are these the things that I would uh, want to just pass on to my grandma? <laughs> you know? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, well, my grandma, she's pretty, she's a rough character. Well, maybe, so maybe not your grandma. But uh, ways that just the thinking that 
you know would please God and would kind of pass through these kind of filters. And if it is, then let that stuff in. Think about those things. And if it's not, then just reject that. You ever been eating at a, uh, a restaurant and, and just really enjoying it? I was, I was having dinner with some friends that are here this morning at a restaurant last night, and we were having a good time. But you ever been at a restaurant, though, and you're, and you're eating dinner and um, you eat bite after bite after bite after bite, and it's like, that's, that's good, that's good, that's good. And finally you get down, you know, you're like halfway done or something. You look down and there's a big, long, black, 14-inch hair in there. Isn't that just the worst? <laughs> it's like, oh, man, and I've eaten so much of this, and it's just it's sickening. And it's like, wait a minute, I can't eat any more of this. And, and it's, I don't care how shy you are. It's like, waiter, okay, I don't care what you're doing. I got a hair in my food, and you need to do something. And, of course, you know, like, oh, yeah, and it's like, I need a free meal. Yes, we'll bring you a free meal. It's like, don't even bother. I lost my appetite. Uh, so I'm, I'm very disturbed about all of this. We can get, because hair ruins meals, right? It just, it just does. If you're at somebody's house, it's even more awkward, by the way, right? You ever been to somebody's house? It's like, ugh, so I don't want to say anything, but I can't. How do you do that discreetly? Pull that big, long thing out. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, this has happened to me. We can, get so, we can get so worked up over this, and yet we allow such gross stuff into our minds, don't we? And it's like, oh, I, couldn't, I can't have a hair in my food, but we, can, we hang out with some people, and they start talking about stuff, and it's gross, and we just stand there, and we listen to it, and it's just all coming into our mind, or you know what we're seeing, or what we're listening to, or whatever. We get more jacked up about a hair in our food than the stuff that goes in our mind. And we just need to be a little more proactive and say, you know what, hey, that's not true. That's not pure. That's not admirable. I can't give praise about that. I don't want to let that in my mind. So those are the filters. And that's how important that is. So number one, think who you want to be in 2018. I want to grow in Christ. I want to understand Him more and make myself available to Him Give that some thought and how it kind of works out. Here's the second thing. Don't settle for the minimum. Don't settle for the minimum. And this is kind of what we do too many times in life. It's like, I just want to coast through. just want to get through. Well, here's what Ephesians 6, verse 5 through 8. It's going to refer to slaves. Let me just tell you here, I want you to just substitute the word slaves for, let's just do this, employees, because it's the principle that he wants us to get a hold of. The, the whole topic of slavery, that's, an, that's another sermon right there. But let's, let's just put this in here. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. So think employees, obey your bosses with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Work hard, but not just to please your masters when they are watching. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. So don't have the, the minimal attitude that says, what is the least that I can do and skate through on this? Because that's just wrong. So think about, I'm doing this for the Lord. Maybe I like my boss Maybe my boss is a jerk. It doesn't make any difference. 
I'm going to do my work as if the Lord were my boss, because he really is, and I want him to be pleased, and I'm not going to just do it when I see the boss looking. I look really busy, and I'm really doing something good, but when they are gone, then I'm sloughing off and just trying to get by. I'm going to do my very, very best all the time and give it even more. And another mistake I think we make is sometimes we think, well, this job is so beneath me. Don't think that way. So you know what? Maybe it's not where you're always going to be, but you have to say, I'm here, and I'm going to give everything. Okay? I'm going to give my very, very best. I love a good friend of mine. He was, a, he was an executive and, and big money guy and everything, and, and we were doing some uh, volunteer stuff as a, as a church and in the community and everything, so we were serving this big event, and, and his job was to pick up trash from, from the vendors. This was just all volunteer stuff. And uh, he had to really be humbled because they were like, hey, trash boy, come over here and get this, get this trash, trash boy. It's like, this guy was an executive, you know. But he had to have this attitude, I'm, th- this isn't beneath me. I'm doing this for Christ. When I stepped away from uh, pastoring, retired, and uh, then we were doing a little bit of traveling, and so I wanted to make a little... Uh, quick money. So I took a job at, at Walmart. And I was telling Kyle, he works over at Smith's, and I was telling him that, that I did some cashier work at, at Walmart for three months. And it was like so bizarre to me because I was used to functioning in environment where staff worked for me and, and you know, I was the boss and I determined things and when I was coming in and going out and did lunch and, and then they'd tell me, this is when you're going to do this. This is when you're going to take your break. I, said, well, I, I don't want a break. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm in a groove here, and I'm going to keep doing it. It's like, no, you aren't. We're going to tell you when, and you have to, and you have to take lunch here, and it has to be for this long. I don't want to be gone that long. I got stuck. No. So it's like a humbling kind of a thing that you just have to do, and then you get you know, some, Kyle, I don't know if you ever had a nasty person in there working in it, but once in a while there's like a person that's just unreasonable, and you're like, I just want to reach up in there and twist your throat. And you just have to say, you know what? I'm going to show Christ in everything that, that I'm doing. And you do that. And you work with all your heart. And that's, that's what it is to live this way. And not with the thought of this is beneath me or anything like that. It's, but I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it better than it's ever been done before. Not just to impress my earthly boss, but because the Lord is with me. And as if he's right there, I want to be conscious of the fact that he's in the room with me. He's at the register with me. He's at the, uh, cubicle, in the cubicle with me. Whatever I am, whatever I'm doing, he's with me. I want him to be pleased, and I want to not just do the minimum. I want to give the maximum. And this goes across the board, folks, by the way. Uh, I'm landing the plane here, but this applies to giving. Some people are like, well, how, how little can I give to God and, and still be okay? Well, is that really the right question? Or is it more, what can I really do for God? What's the least amount of serving that I can do and still be okay? Is that the right question? How, how about just turning that around and saying, in 2018, instead of, I want to just cruise by and just make it, and just survive as being a good husband or a good wife or a good parent or my relationship with God. No, I want to take it to the max. I want to go above and beyond and just kind of blow the doors off this thing so that he's pleased 
in my life. It's a response. It's my natural response to everything that he's done for me. And somebody said this, nothing great happens without great effort and sacrifice. You think about that, any vision that God may put in your heart or in your head, I think about Mountain View. Uh, Ten years ago, there wasn't a Mountain View. And God put that vision into Shane's heart and some others that established this, and it's been growing and growing and growing, and it's, it's really exciting to see what's going on. But that didn't just happen. It happened with hard, hard work. And so you've, you've got to be able to put that in and, and give some muscle, give some sweat to the vision that God puts in your life too. So very, very important, okay? So those are things, I think, take those two things, put them into your life for 2018. Let's pray, and our worship team's gonna come back up here and, and lead us in some more worship before we close this morning. Uh, Lord, we're just excited about what you've done for us. You are amazing. That you would love us and care for us and pull us out of the pit and bring to us forgiveness, bring to us your mercy, bring to us the privilege of knowing you and walking with you. That's mind-blowing to us. And I pray each of us will have in our hearts a desire to grow in that to know you in a deeper way, especially as we begin this new year and even as we're in the middle of the month here of 2018, it's not too late for us just to launch in with an attitude that says, I want this to be a year of spiritual growth, to know Jesus like I've never known him before and to give more of myself to him. It's my spiritual act of worship. Not so that he'll love me and have mercy. No, because he's already done that. It's my natural response to him. It's my spiritual act of worship. And Lord, you care so much for each one of us and help us just to respond to you completely.